Hello and welcome back to another episode of Unfiltered. I'm Yanina Doyle and I'm here with Jonathan Kleeman. Hello everybody. Normally I try and get Jonathan to introduce our guests because he is incompetent at uh, pronouncing anyone's names. Unfortunately we have two French guests today. I uh, tried to pronounce it myself and I'm going to leave it to you guys. So who do we have today? <laughs> So um, probably maybe the first time you have a non-sommelier, uh, Jocelyn Guibert, mm -hmm. and I, I work in the tech world associated with wine. I am Julien Sayu, I'm the head sommelier of Sexy Fish and also the co-founder with Jocelyn of uh, Wine Picker. Perfect. That was, you they sounded really professional like on an actual real show. Yeah, yeah. No, no, they think, they think they're here for a professional <laughs> session, which <laughs> is fabulous. Been they've been tricked what, what probably. Are you saying this what? is not professional? This is just to enable us to drink on a Monday. Any <laughs> <laughs> excuse to drink. Um, so, obviously you've introduced yourself slightly. Um, we're really excited. You picked, Julian, the category uh, today for wine. What is the category today? Uh, Pinot Noir from California. Although I got a little bit upset because I went to about four wine shops just to get this and everyone was selling Oregon, Oregon, Oregon and I was thinking for the first time oh I have to get it from California and I really blame Jonathan because he always uh, gets the wrong wine doesn't fit in with a the theme so I was no, like no 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 I'm always on the edge on the edge I, sometimes I, 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 abuse the rules. I abuse the rules on the edge we had a category 10 minutes before the actual show we had a category Chilean wine and he brought Australian <laughs> <laughs> that's quite, that's it's quite still self-estimate I, would, I, <laughs> yes. so I, would, I would go hashtag close enough that's fine <laughs> there you go. hashtag close enough exactly yeah. you know, hashtag not close at all <laughs> same thing it's the same thing same, anyway, same but different but, what same I'm, same but, different. but the best thing that's happened ever on this podcast is we all had to bring a bottle of Pinot from California and we've done right in the north someone brought right in the south and I brought right in the middle so yeah, we perfect. literally have, perfect. Now as, we have as, as always we don't plan it very well at all but it always seems to work out in the end so I know. That's, that's basically our motto so far I know so let's actually because it's in front Julian has already poured a glass I can't of course uh, I'm thirsty you are thirsty okay I, cheers I guys have, we need to yes. start recording and he was already on it <laughs> happy Monday um, let's have a little um, let's have a sip and you, you can tell us a little bit yeah. about what we're drinking so I select for us today uh, a Cambria Pinot Noir called uh, Bench Break. Some people may know it uh, uh, before at uh, Julia's Vineyard. So it's a Pinot Noir from uh, Santa Maria Valley from the south. It's set, uh, certified sustainable. Uh, it's basically uh, it's part of the Jackson family. They mm -hmm. own uh, Cambria since 30 years. So the wine used to be called uh, Julia, who is one of the daughters of the family, and they changed uh, the name to uh, Bench Break. They changed the name. Oh dear! Did yeah. uh, did uh, she get a bit un unpopular in the family? What, uh, what happened? Tell us, sure. tell us the gossip. What yeah. did, what did Julia do? But what didn't she do? That's uh, oh. Oh. poor Julia. There she was. Instantly. I'm not sure what she did, what she didn't. But I heard the sale are going down. Oh, she so, was. So apparently, was drinking too much. Huh? So apparently, on the. 14 or 15 they're going back to Julia's vineyard ah so she mm. uh, so she's repaid her debts <laughs> yeah, yeah no no it's whatever, like, whatever she had to do I've actually yes. I'm making these jokes I've actually met Julia Jackson she's actually oh quite she's lovely she doesn't deserve this no, I, nice. I don't know about that behind the scenes she was lovely in person she's she's really nice, yeah. she could be terrible it could be a whole but um, she did she, she obviously believes a lot in this whole family premise for the Jackson family they're actually for a big Big wine company, you could say, definitely. Yeah, uh, they are very big vineyard, family company, but, but very vineyard well. focused. So it's yeah, uh, which means you know, I think probably the only big wine company I think quality wine seems to come out of. So it's yeah, so Jackson uh, Family is still like the the number one Chardonnay in in, Cali in, the, in the US at the moment. Yes, and they have uh, family reserve uh, Kendall Jackson. So yeah, uh, it's lovely. No, it's nice. It's soft. It's approachable. Oh. It's you're drinking already, yeah. Yeah, and as our non, uh, what our sommelier, our tech guy. Yeah. This is, and actually, this is our first episode with a duo, it's with rare. a double partner. I can also now put tech on our um, podcast tag, so we're going to oh have a tech podcast. It's, it's red. It's it's like, okay. It tastes okay, like so wine. This is fantastic. So, okay, it tastes like wine. So that's a great tip. What else are you? What else are you picking up? Serving uh, a glass. <laughs> Some red fruits, I'd say. A bit of undernotes. Um, this this guy, he he knows what he's doing. Or he quickly looked up Pinot Noir, red <laughs> fruit. <laughs> he doesn't have a battery on his phone. That's what we do. Like, so I don't know why I'm... We should quickly Google our, <laughs> yeah, our tasting notes, right? Yeah, actually, as a tech guy, we're rather disappointed you turned up without a phone. 
with an uncharged phone, which is, you know, that's for a guy who's about to selling an app, it's not. that I push my phone to the limits of its battery. You see? Are you going to push this bottle to the limits? Um, it depends. I'm sure she will. The night is young. I think she's going to ask for the wine list to buy another one. Exactly, exactly. No, but this is lovely. How much is how much is this? It seems it's not too complex. It's just nice. It's fruity, but it's really easy drinking. I think um, you should find it around like the fourteen to seventeen pounds. That's it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's a good price. Yeah, I mean, no, I really, really like it you know, because it's not like too okay or just a bit of a. It's, a, it's a retail price. Yeah. 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 Where can so, you buy it? Uh, where can you buy it? Uh, I believe Eden is around there. A bit after. Oh, Eden is uh, yeah. yeah. And after Wine Street Shop in uh, Liverpool Street. Okay. So what I like about this one, like it's really fruity, easy it to is. drink and not too okay and you know very affordable and entry very easy to, to have as well for aperitif. And but I think as well what was quite nice about we, you pick California, I, I tend I tend to go Oregon in terms of they're, they're a bit lighter and fresher and maybe a, they're known as more elegant but California's terroirs, everything that's so different and I'm really excited to try these three generally they're bigger and, and, and richer um, Pinot Noirs. I would say I've been, I've been a Californian convert almost. I, mean, I still love Oregon. Have you? I mean, yeah. There's a lot of Oregon, great Oregon Pinot yeah. out there, but I think that California over the last 10 years has really... I think I don't think it's actually industry changed. I think the wines that were already more delicate and more Burgundian style have now, have now come, come to the through. forefront. And those yes. other more traditional, rich, over... Like, I've got all the ones I sell in my... Uh, in, in the shop in Twisted Cellar, we sell them. All the ones, all the California Pinots we have are actually more light and more delicate. Mm. And even we've even got one at fifteen quid, which is still. <laughs> and people people look at it. We've had a lot of wine people come in going, and they go, "What would you recommend for three pound? Like this Pinot's fantastic." And they're like, "Really, California Pinot, especially at that price? They're assuming it's going to be over concentrated, rich, really over, over the top." And then when they get it, they come back like, "Really light, delicate, but, fruity." But I think that's of, the point. Everyone is. I, I have always gone to Oregon, but California, you just can't put into one basket. You know, no, it's so huge. Regions. I think it's so huge. Um, so this is quite nice that you brought that. So whilst we're drinking this, boys, creating the app. Of the century, hashtag already there, no? Hashtag wine picker. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag wine picker, everybody. Tell us, what what is going on? So, um, I mean, the idea is that a lot of people like myself, you know, it's quite hard. You go to a restaurant, you put a wine list, and, you know, it's quite hard to choose a wine. Mm -hmm. um, it takes a lot of knowledge, and, you know, probably a lot of people use it to have that knowledge. But actually, a lot of people around us do not. And the idea is to try to make it a bit more easy for people to find where the value is mm -hmm. um, you know it's a bit like you know if you were to go to the movies and you had no ratings how would you choose a movie you would just know oh, the actor you want oh to god, see oh god don't do the ratings thing Jonathan gets so <laughs> we, we should all quote quote Jonathan we should all just have our own opinions and go with what we think continue yeah, now that was my dig at Jonathan that's the very um, lucky Jonathan who had a chance to try a lot of wines exactly. through his life but and, for the rest and, of us and make his own judgment um, but luckily, uh, young Jonathan here will be able to share it yeah. with young. people. Young, good, good work. You've really calmed me down with young. That's an easy way. I'm, I'm that easily appeased to say young. So yes, continue. So the idea of this app is to help people pick yeah, wine. Exactly. The idea is that, you know, if you have a lot of wines in the restaurants and you, you, you know how it works, and generally the entry wines are not the best value, um, you know, because the reason is that the value of the wines that you have in the entry of the wine of the wine, of the wine list is not very good. I would say also for those you know, um, and also speaking from past experience, what a lot of people don't realise when they're going to buy wine from a, from a restaurant, particularly, it doesn't really matter in where, but the general rule is wines at the bottom end of the wine list will have the biggest markup. So actually, when you think you're getting a bargain by buying wine for £25, the value of that wine is far less if you buy a wine for, say, £70, where, okay, you also pay a lot more money, but the actual value of what you're paying for will be better. Mm. Uh, that's because restaurants, depending on the skin places, it's all different levels, but they'll, they'll work on a general margin they need to make, but they'll try and make less on the top wines to encourage people to drink the great wines. And on the bottom wines, they know that certain people, especially those who aren't as into their wine, mm -hmm. um, you know, people come in, I don't care as long as it's red or as long as it's white. Well, unfortunately, those are the people who the margin gets made on. So sometimes you're actually doing yourself a disservice by trying to pick lower on the list, spending that little bit more, much like if you go into a shop by spending that little bit more, a lot of times you can get a lot more of a wine. Um, so yeah, it's, it's another thing that's quite important, I think. No, I 100% agree. Another, another thing is that there is an amount of fixed price that goes with the wine, which, you know, wines need to be imported. Most of the wine, I mean, we're talking about American wines, they need to cross the Atlantic and, mm -hmm. you know, then they get hit with duty. And those are fixed prices. And when you want to make a constant multiplier on that as a restaurant, um, you know, you're going to have a lot lesser quality wine. Uh, so that's what we try to do. We created an app mm -hmm. that basically tried to show the value 
somewhat with ratings, um, as we <laughs> say, um, by trying to show people that if you have a lot of wines, they have different value. And generally, what we tend to find is that the value is around 40 to 80 pounds, and that's generally where your money is best spent for mm -hmm. the quality. Of course, value is depending on your budget. So really, this is what we try to do. We try to get people to understand, depending on their budget, what is the best wine. And it's generally not the entry wines, as, as you say. And am I right in thinking I had a little play around that you can go into a restaurant and you like say how much you want to spend, uh, the food that you're going to have, um, and is, is there another option to... That's, a that's it, and then it just literally gives you a whole load from the wine list of Correct. what's at, at, within those, those criteria, and then you can pick. Spot on, I mean that, that's exactly what we do, we have basically three key parameters. Uh, one is um, a food match, yep. so we always match the wine with the food because it's important. It's just not about how good the wine is, mm -hmm. but it's how it, what it goes with your food. Then we have the budget, and then we have the rating. And are you? Because I haven't seen the app actually, so I'm, I'm kind of going into this much like you with the wine code. I'm going into the, the app idea code. Is it specific wines or general styles you're matching? So you saying the wine is directly the exact the wine exact wine, wine, wine nobody has to deal with you anymore, Jonathan. I don't. I don't want a wine. I don't do a. Thank God we got we got so you out shop, the restaurant. So it's fine. I'm, I'm <laughs> Get rid of him already. I'm not quite out of face to face with customers yet. The but I'm working on it as hard in. as I can. Um, no, I'm just curious. So does that mean you have to have on record every wine list in every restaurant, or do they have to? Yeah, we have about six hundred restaurants in London. So already on oh, this yeah. app. Yeah. So the app, just to give a few numbers, and um, the app has been live for slightly over a year. It has been downloaded by about 15,000 people. Um, it had five awards, uh, including the Imbibe um, Innovation of the Year, uh, Amazon Innovation of the Year, Best Mobile, big, Best Big Data, and um, you know we have about 600 restaurants and more than half a million wines. Look at this. Okay. These guys, are, these are celebrities. I mean, making okay, we Forbes, the next, uh, the the, the biggest millionaires. <laughs> Why didn't you pick champagne as the category? Hmm? I don't want to pick French. <laughs> you didn't want to be clear. So no, I have a question now. I have to put the question to your business partner. Why are you, as a sommelier, trying to put sommeliers out of business? Let's see. Allegedly, Julia, it's your turn to speak. Yeah. <laughs> and over to you. <laughs> and this two thing like. You know, you've been to you've been to Somalia, so do you find it enjoyable when you go to the table and they say, I take the Gary. Give me the Pinot Grigio. That's I why that's why I take them off my list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but you know, you still have these. I'd say that, but also, I also find, the, I mean, again, there is the, always the downside being a sommelier is the, is the negative, is the serving New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, or the same as it's serving a lychee martini for a bartender, which is one of the things that a little bit of dies every time. But at the same time, I also get a great joy in converting people from that. If that makes sense as well. So yeah, you cannot convert everyone. You know, like you, no, still you, can't, have, you, you can't. still some benchmark. You need to have Chablis, Sancerre, and stuff like that. And you still gonna have people who drink Chablis by the bucket, but they don't drink Chardonnay. Yeah, so well, you know, the story is the classic. The classic. It's a classic, classic, but like if you know, I'm not saying wine people gonna make it, but if we can teach the people like uh, uh, oh, no, Chardonnay, the grape behind Chablis, or Sauvignon Blanc, the grape behind. So Chancel. do you see more as an educational towards? Yeah, so the first idea is to help the customer in a restaurant and help them to learn a little bit about the wine, you know, because the way the generation everything going, like a lot of people are using more app and technology for anything from Uber, from Airbnb, from Deliveroo, and also in a restaurant as well. A lot of people use Vivino to know. Uh, uh, what is the description of the wine but for us like, we just give you an idea of what wine you should drink for the money you have in, in a restaurant as well so the first after we bring a conversation so if you have someone like you go to a restaurant and like a, someone you use an app and you say oh what do you think about this one he's already opening to you as a customer oh i'm thinking to get the cambria you know what do you think you know so you already know you already have a set of price points you know you take a grape or to go with this food so you, ah, you can so have a conversation what you're saying is they use their little app anyway and they're like oh, okay so it's suggesting me these three wines i like this ah, he's pouring me more see a good smell is always topping up a glass we've got to get <laughs> to the next one you know i'm gonna make you down it like as a vodka shot in a yeah. second and um, so then they kind of all, so what you're saying is even when there's a restaurant with a sommelier they'll be like they have an idea and they can go to the sommelier right so this is coming up with this pinot noir this uh, got a nature and you know I mean, and, and this what, what, and you can then and just then have a good experience in Koya because you use the app when you go to a restaurant you want to tell them when you went to Koya yeah sure tell I mean, everybody when you went to Koya <laughs> I went to Koya <laughs> we are not in Koya right now by the way <laughs> oh um, sorry the hashtag plugging restaurant uh, social wine and tapas is yeah kindly, kindly Law Patriot uh, who we will have on the podcast at some point when yeah, I where is she uh, Law actually messaged me I said can we use a place for a podcast yesterday she goes Oh, well, no, I'm away in France. Well, no, I'm not in France, actually. I'm in Spain, and then I'm in France. And then, you know, as always, she's jet-setting across the world. 
Uh, though she does complain she has enough, has enough holidays, so I don't know what she's no, doing. This is because you're sensitive because you don't ever go on holiday. I, I did five years ago. Five um, years ago. Okay, she is too low, Patrick. Thank you, thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Viva la France and viva la Spain. And viva holidays for normal people. If you, if you want to check actually it, go away. If you want to see someone's uh, Instagram to get very jealous of, just watch hers. She mainly drinks and eats um, without having to do any writing or any of the part. She just goes out and drinks and eats. And they're like, wait, we shall write about it another time with the hope. Anyway, this is really, really lovely wine. What I'm going to do is... I'm gonna, the oh, what you? oh, sorry. Oh, see, now Julian is keeping this under control. Tell us about Koya. No, I mean, one of the things I do, because, you know, it's something quite new. Yeah. And we, you know, the question you ask, um, we have it quite often, say, are you putting somebody as out of business? Are you taking the so much job of somebody else? And it's something that's quite common that we see. Generally, in a more funny way than in an aggressive way. So what I do is that I try it. And when I go to a restaurant, I will try the app, and I will show the app, and I will say, this is what it recommends. Uh, just to see the somebody's reaction to it mm, uh, okay. and and you have a lot of different reactions I never had someone very negative I had some people saying oh yeah it's a good choice you know being a bit like um, okay uh, and you have some people like the girl at Koya I mean she made her wine this year really hard and it was recommended on top a, a really good Spanish white mm -hmm. and she said this is an amazing wine and no one buys it and I'm really upset ah. that no one does and um, so she was really pleased that it was recommending this wine that she had me try all her reds <laughs> so that was quite a that was a funny story. Nice. Okay. There we go. What do you think then, Jonathan? No, I mean it's, it's again it's, it's one of those things that I have conflicting feelings, so I'm always honest about that. But like, it's because <laughs> your okay, life. Uh, just to introduce you to Jonathan's world. No, Jonathan no, 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 have very, hate. no, no, have very strong feelings. Just, I'm conflicted, which is that I sent two lines, which is a is as a purist and as someone who's worked so many for years, and I still work in the wine recommendation world. I always, always, like anyone, like if you work in manufacturing, you're scared a robot's going to take your job. I always fear that... They, they are going to. I know, right. right They're right, going right. to take take our lives. It's okay. They can't pour, pour wine with much of other boomers I have, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but it's but from that side, obviously, you, you, your immediate reaction is always going to be slightly negative in the sense of you're like, okay, is this somewhere... Am I going to be working in a restaurant where someone's going to come up to you going, I want this wine, and then you, have, you lose even more interaction. But from the other side, there's more to it than just recommend to a customer is building a wine list, creating a wine list, and obviously, hopefully, if the app works the right way, it will still, and as you're saying, it shows pe pushes people towards wines that we normally have, which is a similar we always want to do. Um, and again, also, if you want to have pick wines and wines that are different, there'll always be better value in it as well. Right. Sommeliers will make wines cheaper than they really like because we are biased and we, we have wines we really enjoy. And because we are unbiased, we will pick these. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that. So from that side, yeah, there's a few things that's good and bad, which is that it depends on also how it works. Like I, oh, I think also has got a bit worried when Vivino came out. I think that's a really good example where it's much more popular in America, but it's sort of one of those things. Again, I haven't used the apps, things are quickest to use. Where Vivino, sort of thing is, I remember taking so many pictures for people in restaurants of wine so they could then talk about it with Vivino, and people were getting the Vivino app to check prices. But it turns out that people that that interest lasted for a very short period of time, where eventually people just seemed to give up on it because it was too much work. Again, I haven't used the apps, I don't know from your side. So the apps are very quick and easy to use. From the customer side, they'll probably use it quite a lot. So it's, it's again, for anything that brings more people into wine and trying better wines, from that side, I'm always positive. So as a general person in the wine market, I can't see any negative to it on that side because more people who try wines, especially different wines, and maybe open their mind up and get a bit more educated, is always better. That's, I mean, it's a simple question to you guys. Where do you have the most interaction? Where do you find you find the best wines? People who have no clue about wine and who, you know, might close down quite quickly or people who know a little bit and then you can talk a little bit more about things like, you know, the producer, the region, the grapes and these kind of things. And, you know, as a somebody, you probably have like two to five minutes to speak to someone. Do you want to try to... You're very optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 20 you see, to 30 seconds. Yeah. I'm yes, good. Yes, poor. Yes, thank you. So <laughs> you see, you can either spend this time doing a price discovery of how much these guys want to spend or you can do a bit of a country and history or discovery right what is better spent no sure actually i i really like the way you're explaining it if they can already if, it, if you're finding as well people are coming with a few wines on their list and uh, on their phone and saying hey sommelier tell me about these then actually it, that thing it does it you know it's already sorted out the price point it's actually quite yeah, interesting and all here we make the assumptions that the place has a sommelier I mean, who wants to take there a guess on how many, what is the percentage of restaurants have sommeliers? She most don't have them. You know, um, there are so many in Mayfair, in, in Chelsea, in Kensington well, I mean, that have really, that are done, but uh, this is true, that are done by a master of wine. They use it in their consultants. They set up, 
Oh god, don't yeah. get him started <laughs> on Master Mind Consultancy. But anyway, the point is. Right now, thank you. Oh, here we go. Oh, but now one. you're feeling relaxed. Yeah, now there's a rant on. on. But the point is, it's true. I've gone into some really. I'm not going to name any any places, but I've been surprised. You know, as somebody who sells to restaurants, going in. Hi, uh, can I speak to the wine buyer, the sommelier? We don't have a sommelier, and you're like, how on earth? Does this Michelin star restaurant not have a sommelier? And I, that I don't is think, true. I don't think that the Michelin, Michelin star thing is even important. I think what's, what's no, scary. I that I'm using that no, as an yeah. example because a Michelin star restaurant is expensive and people expect all the service. And I would expect in that kind of restaurant that somebody comes to my table and talks to me in detail I mean, about wine. We've talked before on this, and again, you, you work for, you are currently still working head sommelier, and you probably have a little bit of understanding for the industry as in much as I do. Fish, yes, with, in sexy fish. With, with the biggest. Um, whiskey, um, Japanese whiskey collection. Well, that, but I was going to talk about the fishes. Haven't you got the biggest aquarium in Europe? In the world. Uh, in the world? Yeah, for live coral in a restaurant, yeah. Live coral, yeah, but you've hidden it down That's in a private That's a very specific room. thing for live coral. Uh, you know, everything that was marketing, you know. Like, uh, I'm sure it's longer um, a live coral I mean, in Dubai in a zoo, but... You're long, you're long, you're long, you're long, <laughs> someone's private bedroom. In a bedroom. restaurant. We're private bedroom. In, in, in Abu Dhabi, will I'm you, sure. Will you take me down to your live coral? Anytime for you. Oh, Guys, can you keep, keep the sexy time off of <laughs> Sexy off of time later, right? Yeah, so. Sexy time later. Send <laughs> um, <laughs> button on me. A couple of member French accents turn up in. and suddenly she's theirs. Ooh, um, no, I think, I think that th- there is a general issue in the trade in general, which is there's not enough good sommeliers coming through. Um, and so many of them, like myself, are leaving and the, the trade. And such, such the good, the great ones, the, the heroes of and the wine me. industry, and Jonathan. <laughs> no, no, I, said, I said they are. I was, trying to, I was trying to be nice. Um, yeah, you do it sarcastically, it doesn't work. Oh, sorry. Was, um, that, was my sarcasm coming through? Yeah. Maybe. Oh, so sorry. Transparently. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> At least some of us were good sommeliers. Don't insult Julian. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still a good sommelier. I'm still um, slowly improving with your app. But it was, was again, what's been proving is um, when you work in restaurants where you do get to pick the wine list and have an influence on it. As I've always said, it makes a huge difference to being a head sommelier. It makes or being a sommelier in general, you feel you have an influence. I think a big thing that's killed it off in London, especially, are these overarching companies that have a big buyer who buys most of the wine. Then a head sommelier comes along who is at that level, and then they don't get to have any influence on their list. It doesn't take very long until those people become disinterested. And along with that, if you're a head sommelier, you let your assistant head sommelier and probably some of your other sommeliers have get to pick things, get to be involved, and it creates a team that really believe in what they're selling. And as soon as you have these big things, I mean, one in Takasan, I will call them out on it, is that they do have an overarching buying team. The head sommeliers have almost no input on what they mm, buy. Um, it shows in the list, it shows in the way the staff sell the wine, because you, you basically have people who are following a script and no longer have an input. It's not a living, breathing thing. It's just kind of a set thing. Whereas wine picker, not breathing, but is a living, It's part of the living, living organism. It's part of the wonderful robot world. I but think one thing we're very focused here is really the top end, right? I mean, there is a statistics that came out like six months ago. Uh, what's quite interesting, it's a US statistics, and now people spend more into hospitality, restaurants, than groceries. And it's gonna come to the rest of oh, Europe. You know, and so this really shows that people are really changing habits. You go to New York, we'll see statistics that people will eat out one every two meals outside, right? And of course, you cannot go to these Michelin star restaurants, Every otherwise, day. you know, you either very rich or you have a very good liver. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've got one out of two. You know, so... Uh, oh, are you very rich? No. <laughs> Still waiting uh, on that sponsorship. You, I know. Yeah, hashtag, dumb. happy socks for Jonathan, anyone? Anyone. We're not using that hashtag enough, that's the problem, that's why you've not got sponsored yet. Well, I think it's called the hashtag half rate. That's another story, guys. You do not want to know about <laughs> hashtag half throat. Right, I am going to pour uh, the next wine uh, that I have brought along uh, from Sonoma Coast. So where was we with um, it was Santa Maria, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. So which north. was which was uh, far down south. Which certainly um, it, it re- I mean, the I- lovely thing about California and this idea of terroir. The, 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 the fog, the freezing cold Pacific Ocean, and of course the inevitable cloud cover means you get all this fresh wine. Santa Maria, I believe, would, would we agree, sommeliers, and our tech guy, our specialist tech guy, um, that, you know, I think Santa Maria is probably one of the cool, coolest Well, I mean, California's interesting that reason, you, when you start to study it, is that you really would assume California, all wines are warm, rich, heavy. They get the most sunshine. But they get a lot of sunshine, but I mean, also what you then don't realise is that what makes it special, like so many important wine regions in the world, is it's something special, which if there is the fog, so the fog comes in over San Pablo Bay, and that cools certain areas more than it cools others. 
And it also creates very interesting areas where sometimes wines go higher altitude, which generally means cooler, but in this case, sometimes that means riper because they get more sunlight, where others under the fog don't get it. Oh, so co- um, are, you, are you following? Are you keeping I, up? I know, I know, because I was to, I was in California a long time ago, so oh, okay. I know, you know what exactly you're talking about. He's a tech guy. Of course, he's been set California. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> Um, so it's like being an actress you have to have been part of your Weinstein at some point to be successful it's a, it's a, it's a Ooh, cool that's a whole other conversation um, but it, it, is a, it, is a, it is a thing about um, it makes again, it makes California very interesting or we make assumptions even when you first start learning you're taught that mainly Cabernet Sauvignons warmer style Pinots heavy style wines and actually as you begin to rediscover California it's not like that because there are so many regions that are much cooler mm. and whether either due to being really low down and really covered by the fog or very high altitude you then have kind of two different levels of high altitude cooler climate wine and low altitude cool, cool, uh, cool climate wines. And then it also depends on where the fog disperses as you go up. So it's it, like everywhere in wine, it's not simple because yeah, no, why would we simplify anything? Because that would make life too easy. Well, we would be out of a job. Exactly. If only exactly. there was an app to help us. <laughs> Hashtag yeah. wine picker. Yeah, yeah. Um, so today um, I brought Cross Brown um, by Paul Hobbs. It's a fantastic wine. I adore Paul Hobbs. Um, always been a fan. For anyone who doesn't know, Paul Hobbs um, kind of got his reputation starting in Opus One, and Opus One is obviously one of the most renowned uh, Californian wines, a, a Bordeaux blend. Um, and then, of course, he, he started his uh, Paul Hobbs Winery. What's nice about this, his own winery with his own grapes. You generally buy his Pinot for around, like, how could you look for around fifty pounds, fifty-five pounds. This Pinot Noir. He goes and sources the grapes, so they're not exactly, they're not his, but he says he follows the same, you know, winemaking, the sustainability methods, everything that he does. Um, and this sells for about £35. Um, you can get this from Hay, Hay Wines um, online. Hey. Hey. Aww. What, 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 uh, what noise does a, a gay horse make? Oh, God. Are we about to piss off the LBGT community? Not at all, because I love them. So it's all right. But uh, you ruined the How joke. How much do you love <laughs> well, not too much because they're not useful to me, unfortunately. They're not interested in me. The worst thing for me is you go out on a night out and the most beautiful guy, you, you know, you go up and always go. It's an absolute disappointment for me. Yeah, I know, shocking. Does that happen to you as well? happens to me all the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I am that beautiful yeah. guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, getting back to the wine. So um, you get fantastic quality. It doesn't cost, I say, too much. It's still a, a premium wine at around £35, but certainly you get great value considering it's made by a really fantastic winemaker. Um, this is definitely, I've had a little taste already. What do you think, Oaks? It's good use. You can take this, I mean, the use of oak definitely a lot more. Yeah. There's that you definitely of, like way fuller body. You know, oh, a little bit more, more spiciness, you know, darker, darker, darker cherry, yeah. and, you know, blimey. And a bit more kind of wild raspberries and even like some tea leaves I think in yeah, there. Yeah, spicy, yucky and... A bit, more exo- more, a bit more even exotic, but it's definitely sticking with my the general opinion, ironically, of quite full-bodied, concentrated <laughs> California peanuts. I'm kind of hoping you're... I wouldn't say, I don't think the concentration's that high on it. And that sense, again, it's not, it's not overripe. I think the ripeness of the grapes is fine. The alcohol is definitely lifted. Ah, I thought it that, yeah. But I think that's a great example of how good a, a winemaker Paul Hobbs is, that he's balancing it. Snowy Coast is probably one of the warmer regions. I still managed to make a very balanced Pinot from this, but the alcohol is high, but it's not so high. I'm, I'm not, it's 14, I've already read the bottle. Uh, no, 15. you have no? not. 15. It's not 15. 15, 15, Boom. Boom. I mean, if Monday night wine. I segways, I'm running. It's a good beat. For a 15, for a 15, actually, to be wine, fair, it doesn't fi- feel like it. For 15, like this it. is actually a cracking wine. There's still some real freshness. Um, lovely fruit. Which I think and makes it dangerous. It does make it dangerous, but don't you like living on the dangerous cri- side? It's a perfect Christmas wine, you know? You don't, oh, you don't, you don't want to hear you know, your, uh, your, your godfather or something for too long. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Godfather, isn't it um, mother-in-law? Oh, mother-in-law, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, no, I think you know? this is a fantastic... What, what, Mr. Non-Wine uh, Professional, uh, what do you think of this wine? Do you, think it, would think you like to describe to the to the wine community? Uh, you already it? did much better than me, so... I know, but I just... I, I, I just find it's still quite fresh for 15. It's quite juicy, it's quite yeah. a lot of fruits. It doesn't yeah. look like... Too bad and I would use the uh, tasting notes hashtag yummy hashtag tasty. What do you think? Mm. I think mean, I mean, actually tasting no, very good. I think you should put the whole tech thing going to be. And just go. Uh, <laughs> Replace you, right? Yeah. Well, you know, it's a hard job. You'd have to be a bit angry for that. But it's, uh, <laughs> 
And actually, interesting, your first wine that you brought, the Cambria, all about sustainability, they've got, yeah, put that on the bottle, the certification. Paul Hobbs is really, really big on sustainability, yeah, yeah, right. and it's really important to him. He's kind of very much about minimal intervention. I think, I don't know, going back from, if I can remember, he was very much into kind of using wild yeast and doing that long before it became popular and cool and stuff. So he's a bit of a pioneer. So let's see in a, in a few minutes if your wine That's fits right. with the trend. Have we talked about wild yeast fermentation at all yet? I don't think we have. Uh, God, what do you think about wild yeast fermentation? I'm, I'm super bright, super bright. Um, okay. Wild yeast fermentation, for those who don't know, is basically where you allow the yeast to actually naturally occur in the vineyard and also in the winery. So a lot of people don't realise you have two people making the wine for the same vineyard but in different wineries have different effects. Um, and it's the yeast that's naturally around and you allow that to uh, cause fermentation in the wine. Uh, what happens in general winemaking is used with cultured yeast. That's where people can specifically select exactly what yeast they want, and they more control. Put this in, you know which more control. By the end, they put this in the wine, and that causes the wine to ferment. It means you get more control. Also, you can kind of change the flavours a little bit yourself, and fermentation tends to be a lot faster and more regular. But it's not as fun, is it, Jonathan? It is not as fun. It's not um, fun. And also, I think though, it, it tends to bring less diversity because no, that tends to kill off all the other yeast that are in the wine anyway. So you are getting a very singular flavour. While if you have wild yeast fermentation, more risky. There will be more sexy little funk. But you could get yeah, you get a little more funk, like seventies funk. But you get seventies funk in your but wine. But you still uh, keep a, a constant wine, right? Because the yeast is going to come from your. Well, this is the hopeful thing. You, so you, you, you hope you, for the best. You hope for the best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 but there is a lot of argument. <laughs> if you look at a lot of the top producers use it now, it does also give more style to the wine and it does give that little slight difference. When you take two free pinots from the same area in Burgundy. You go, okay, what's making these so much different? If they're from a similar vineyard, similar, similar winemaking, well, then it has to be these little, little effects. So mm -hmm. it could be your winery itself that gives its own own taste and flavour to the wine. So I do think in the long term it is a better way for winemaking. Um, it does give a little bit more change in culture. And it stops, and, and you do taste in some countries and some regions where cultured yeasts are very popular. Uh, I'm not going to dunk on anyone at the moment because people will come oh, back at me. But um, there are certain regions where if they're making Cabernet Sauvignon, the Cabernet Sauvignon will taste very, very similar. And very, very good and very high quality, but... He's being really diplomatic. I am, actually. I, I don't want to dictate... I was going to pick Cap from California. Were you going to pick Cap? Oh, that I was, was going so to go, go Chile, but there you go. Um, <laughs> but there is, there is this problem. There is, and it's not just those regions, or a region around the world. And you go to one region, and there'll be seven different winemakers all trying to make a top wine. It's in every way great and fantastic, but almost it has lacks a little bit of character. And mm. I think that wild fermentation and being a little bit more... Fast and loose with little bits of winemaking, and even having a little bit of microcosmization at points, builds stronger wines with more character. It's a risk, but at the same time, generally, even if the top best producers all do it, and there is a reason behind that effect because it does it does give you a, a wine that has more character and more depth, probably a little bit more complexity when getting it away. Do you think you get all of that in the US because a lot of US producers have been quite successful and have made quite a decent amount of wealth and they can afford to you know, play more with things? No, no, it's, it's a lot more of it. Well, actually, there's a lot of it in the old world because some people have just been always doing it because you go to some people in Italy, they'll go, why would I pay for yeast? I've got it in my vineyard. And the attitude is like that. And there actually there's a lot of people in the US who are very about biodynamic and sustainable. So if they're biodynamic, they're going to be using wild yeast. So that, I think you can't really pick it country by country because in every country you have old school winemakers mm. or new old school winemakers or you know the traditions keep changing. Um, I think you, a, lot, a lot more young winemakers who are coming through are taking that on if they weren't before. But I think if you were, even in Burgundy, if you've got Burgundy product that's very good every year and you make a lot of money from it, it's a big risk to suddenly go, okay, from this year we're going to stop doing the yeast we know and start throwing in a what is a big risk. Yeah, it is, you're producing it? A once you've done it, well. oh god, yeah, exactly. Can and you imagine if once you go that way as well, well it's hard to go well. back. <laughs> so you, uh, you have two choices. If you fuck it, you're gone. If you've done it, then you've done it, right? <laughs> <laughs> just, you've always got respect, you've got respect from people as well. You know, you know, respect but then again, in general, just I love Pinot Noir. I think, you know, definitely a, you know, wine love is great. It's such a finickety, fussy grape, mutates like crazy. If you don't pick it right in the vineyard, yeah, fuck it, it's done. Um, and you, you know, it's just a really, it, it, it shows terroir. Yeah. Like, you know, well, it's, 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 it's like, like reasoning, right? Yeah. This is, this, you know, it really demonstrates that. I think it's um, a really interesting grape. And so I'm, 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 super, I'm super glad you picked Pinot because we haven't done this kind of lineup. Why did you not pick, you said you didn't, you didn't want to do French. Of course not. Just, just you didn't want to do French. Yes, of course. But you, how? I'll do something more new. Well, he, left the, country, he left the country for a reason. Come mm -hmm. on, this, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was fifteen years ago. <laughs> how is your your palate? Are you do you still lean towards Burgundy or 
you know, you picked California. No, no, I like New Orleans, like anything. I'm very open minded. You know, I left uh, France, I was He's well, not 20 years old, but, you know, like I moved to Canada for a long he time. Yeah, he's back. Where about Whereabouts in Canada? In Toronto. Oh, okay, we're family from there, so I've been, I've been at it quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, so I went there for a year, I stayed five years, you know, and I started learning uh, English first, and after. Did uh, you? Yeah. And I was like, after I started learning more about wine from the US and uh, Argentina and okay, Chile, so Canada, and I'm like, wow, they make wine as well. It's That's like hilarious. No, it's true, isn't it? I suppose actually in France, you know, when you do have such an incredible history, no one can deny it. That most most of the incredible wines are coming from France. We now obviously have complete competition all over the world, but at the end of the day, the, the history and the great wines are from Bordeaux, Bonnet, you know, regions. I suppose you don't. He's, he's huffing and puffing, probably. Right? Oh, yeah. no. um, but at the same time, you, you probably don't get to see when you're in France. You don't get to see. You know, you, you're kind of almost probably so proud of well, the French wines. Well, it's economy as well. You don't have You also need to keep in mind that in France there are two levels of taxes: alcohol produced in France and alcohol produced outside of France. And it's which massive. completely biased. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not. It's not. I mean, okay, it depends. What is the tag of the bottle yeah. but if you go on the low tag um, you basically get a lot less tax on French wine which means that all the supermarket wines that people do buy they buy You're French because be you get much better value right? Yeah, I, think, uh, I think it's like 4 6p on some tax compared 46 to 46p no 4 to 6 oh 4 to 6p on yeah. French wine yeah okay I mean there is uh, I think also one of the great assumptions is one of the things I found from my career has been quite entertaining is that English people always assume, oh, someone's French, they must know about wine, or someone's Italian, <laughs> they must know about wine. And it happens oh, a lot. I've heard that so many and times. It's, <laughs> and oh the funny part God. about it is, it's, it's funny because A, you have to realise that other countries are just like us. Yeah. B, in countries like France or wine producing countries, the wine is the cheap drink. It's the beer, it's the this. It's actually cheaper to drink wine in France than it is to drink beer by a long shot. And I think that people don't realise is that a lot of people in France or in any other wine producing country, a lot of them, especially in the village, they'll just drink the wine from down the road. They won't even drink another wine from France. You, sorry, you're so occasion. right. When I was in... Uh, it's just quite interesting to see that. I was in the south of France, and I remember uh, you know, getting really excited, like, you know, I'm going to get all this really nice wine whilst I'm down there. And every time I was walking around, I kept on seeing people coming out of the supermarket, the French people, with boxes of wine, wine in a box. And I was so shocked, because I thought to my... Again, it was... Maybe it was amazing. Ago, it, it could be very good. It's a secret time. we don't know about. Exactly. Unfortunately, unfortunately, probably not. Unfortunately, uh, it's never true. But you judged it by the look. But it, again, it's the, it, it was uh, for me. I was just like, what? French people buying wine in a box? Are they English? But it, it just goes to show, you know, again, it's this but stupid, you, weird you, misconception that yeah, but French people know all about wine. You need to think that France changed a lot. You know, my my, my grandmother will drink wine for lunch and dinner. And she will have what we call table wine. You know what? Yeah. I love right? her. I love the sound I of her. I love already. her so much. Well, and obviously, it, she drinks it, it wine at lunch and dinner. And it doesn't matter what was the quality of the wine. It, it was needed just to be it, yeah. wine, right? And, and, and <laughs> yeah, that is our. This is my only requirement. I am not fussy. Just feed me but wine. It's, it's the same as you do have in England. If you have the old boys, which is they'll, they'll do the whole oh, where the house red is. They don't care what it is. They just want red. They just yeah. want it out and all this drinkable they're happy with it and there's nothing wrong with being that kind of wine drinker either there is that is someone who just drinks it because they're happy with the product as it is and they're not that fussy so it's quite, um, it's, but it's quite but funny big wine drink countries my grandma so many that. people like that and then my grandfather in the same okay. area next to where the box where he would have a vertical of cheval blanc you know so it's oh, like is, so um, it's quite funny right different palettes shall we say you see um, well, you know i was just thinking like, has anybody has any we're, we're doing no, no, but that, that's that's not true he would still drink the table wine they because it was wine. a habit but during okay. christmas he would open a very nice that, bottle well it's, it's like, like when you go it's, it's 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 funny you know it's a lot of places like, a lot of places on like italy and france we were getting out in the countryside i spent quite a bit of time out there um you go somewhere and you you have the classic menu, which is this is the starter, this is the main, this is the dessert, that is the menu for the day, this is the cost, and then would you like red or white wine? <laughs> well, I lived, well, I was in Italy for two weeks working on vineyards, but half the place I went to go eat, unless I went out with the owner of the vineyard in the evening somewhere really special, it was that. This is the menu, this is the pasta for today, and would you like red or white? I know. And that you what know is the red or white wine? I don't know. Do you want red or white? No, but it's the same when, I go, when, I, when I go to Spain as well at the same time, you know, uh, if you want just a wine by no, the glass. it's a uh, Rojo Blanco. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very good point. But, you know, you go to Spain and you want a wine, they, they, they might have a wine list, but if, they, if you want a wine by the glass, they don't even list the wines by the glass. There is only one choice and it is red or white. And I always say to people like, oh, sorry, can you actually tell me what the white is? Can you tell me what the red they is? They don't know. But, yeah. no. And it's always something. Like Silo Smuggling, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it comes from the box over there. <laughs> 
probably, yeah. Remembers yeah those if boxes you were talking about? Those <laughs> boxes, exactly those boxes. I mean, the classic one actually is also in Paris, is when you go around all the, all the restaurants in Paris. And you, you think in Paris, home of wine, culture, this, and then all the restaurants, the general restaurants you go to, they have a list of wines, and it will be red Bordeaux, Cote de Rhone. But, but where is the Cote de Rhone from, and what vintage? It's from the books. What did they buy? <laughs> <laughs> it's from the books. What, what they, what so we're not books? learning here. This is books, right? <laughs> In Paris, it's from the books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, did, what did we buy on the day? It was what was cheapest on the market, and that's what it is. It's crazy, but no. it's. Uh... To be honest, where I was um, in a restaurant, I was I in Spain. I, I can't. I don't know if I was in Spain or Italy. I can't remember. I can remember the restaurant. Um, no, definitely it wasn't Spain because I would have been able to get by. It was Italy. So I was in Italy. Uh, Rome. There we go. Thank you, everybody, for helping. I was in Rome, and I went to this restaurant that everyone was saying is you know for the, for the actual the natives and hence why they didn't speak anything but Italian and their wine was literally in it wasn't in a box surprisingly it was in a glass it was in like glass jars and they were literally on the stairs so when you went to the toilet you went up the stairs and they had these big jars of red wine I hope you didn't drink the white wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm assuming the white wine was in the fridge. But yeah, it was the it was Today there seems to be an orange wine. Oh yeah, well it's been a very hot day. Um, <laughs> wild East it could be it. anything. But that was their that was their house it's wine. Been on They've the got skin. it in. Yeah, <laughs> some skin anyway. Um, so yeah, so that, that for me was quite shocking, but it's definitely, it's so funny, even just in England, we think that other, the cultures where the wine is so so well known, England actually has a, certainly in terms of pre- presentation, I think, I think, I think wine list information. I think actually there's very few countries in the world, if any, where you can drink as many wines from as many different con- countries as easily as you can in the UK. Because no, Canada sure. is a fantastic country, but unfortunately until they sort out their stupid laws when it comes to alcohol and their government control of it, it will always be bad. America always leans a bit too far into the American stuff itself because mm. of taxation Australia. laws. Australia? I know um, so many Australians have a very good actually. No, but I know places. quite a lot of Australians that come to England because they said, I love wine and I'm so But they can't get enough of it. They can't get enough. It comes, but not enough. And then in Europe, obviously, there's always a bias towards whatever wine's produced in the country. So I'd probably mm. say an argument. I don't think there's any city in the world, probably as much as London, where you can drink as many good wines so easily. Well, you pay the money for it. But I don't think there's anywhere. Yeah, yeah but no competition is so high, you you have better value. Mm. You, you do pay more, but I think the difference is you can walk into a pizzeria and have wines from seven countries, yeah. which you can't comprehend in most other countries. Probably maybe maybe Brussels is the only place I can think of. Maybe or in probably a few places north. Of, again, they'll be expensive. North North no, Europe. I think London is a better place. I think it's it's why I came here. It depends on the vintages. I mean, um, depending on the weather, pound to euro is. And you might get even better deals in the UK than, than Europe for certain wines. Okay, uh, the, compet- the, the champagne as well. In Champagne, Champagne isn't much cheaper than it is in the UK. Because competition is so high in the UK, it's such a huge market. Especially for, pre- for premium champagne, we're the high, biggest market in the you world. You say that, working for a Chilean winery, when I go into the... So obviously all of our wines, even though we're a premium winery, will be in, in their supermarkets, because yeah. that's normal in Chile. Mm-hmm. And you look, and the cheaper stuff, is it, the, the, our more level entry stuff, is way better to buy in Chile, 100%. Oh, no, no, the premium stuff, the stuff that's selling on the shelves here at £15 plus, mm-hmm. it's exactly the that's, same that's price right. in England as it is in Chile. It, and at that point you think, oh my God, but it becomes, it becomes they just know that they can sell more so they well, do a much better, they sell a much cheaper price yeah. to export. Yeah. But I think yeah. it's also, when it comes to food culture, and I think especially wine, I think most of the world does seem to still follow London and England in general at the moment. Mm-hmm. It still sort of follows New York arguably, but fashion's changed much quicker there. And I think they're always still a bit further behind. I can see wines being championed there especially on the dynamic route like wines we were looking at three years ago so they go look at this wine and we're like oh come on guys that's old hat like orange wines now become a big thing they're like oh bless you we're, we're done with that already we delisted the London bubble weren't you there in 2016 we moved it all to Shoreditch and just went please no more is really orange wine a big thing and all these trends or is it just like it gets so many big. it was a big hype and there are some great this problem have of orange wine a lot of wine hypes oh gosh no I'm going to be there are, some, there, are some, <laughs> there are some amazing orange wines out there and there are some really really good ones on top ones I'm actually about to put a new one coming in from Australia on, on my list but in majority of them a lot of them if you were going to the real wine fair over like three four years it went from being one or two people with orange wine and two or three people with wines now four to the next three years suddenly half the show had one and they're all super excited about it and they weren't well made wines they were just people playing around and trying to be cool and they just end up being very poor. And that is, and then we've always said that well made wines, natural wines, are great. Amazing. Badly made natural wines are bad. Oh, shit. 
Like now go and fight. If only there was a wine app. If only there was a wine app. It's only good if it's good. By the way, we are saying this in Law's restaurant, and she is like the queen of biodynamics. She loves natural. Sorry, Law. Forget about it. It's because of Mario Marizella. It's okay, she doesn't listen to us anyway. She's, she's too busy. <laughs> too busy eating and, and dining and drinking. Because I tag her a lot on this now, so it's fine. tag her a lot on this. Let's just keep on tagging her until she talks to us yeah. and writes something about it, right? And have any of you read, I haven't read it yet, and I just thought, considering it's a Pinot Noir episode, has any of you read The Heartbreak uh, Grape, the book? Nice. The Heartbreak Grape. It is. No, I really want to read it now, and I kind of, especially after this episode. So The Heartbreak Grape is about Josh, uh, Josh Jensen, who um, created the Calera, Winery in California. Um, I, d- I don't know. It just it's something. Obviously, Pinot Noir. We talked about how finickety it is. As uh, you know, it loves to mutate. It's fussy. It's, it goes mouldy, um, and that's why it's called the heartbreak grape. You know, if you put the effort in, it really gives you something back. Um, but at the same oh, time, you don't. it's a bloody <laughs> oh, you get nothing. Oh, you don't. nightmare. Oh, you get nothing. Well, I again. It's I the most dangerous one, dude. It's much like much like any relationship. The skin is so thin. It's the most dangerous. One. It's so expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's delicate. It's a delicate I've, princess. It's a difficult relationship. If you've ever picked <laughs> Pinot, like I've done it before, it's the only grape I've done where I'm picking. You're picking it. As you're picking it, grapes are bursting. Yeah. The only good news is exactly you also will cut yourself while you pick Pinot, so it kind of seals over the cuts as well. It's just kind of a, a trade-off. There we go. For anyone picking Pinot Noir, there's your advice. But this book <laughs> apparently is all about Josh Jensen's life. So he start, he did some um, winemaking work for uh, Romani Conti in Burgundy. That's how he fell in love with small it. Small vineyard, no one's ever really heard of. Very I, niche. I, he- I hear they're okay. Niche. They're doing all right. I think they would get at least four or five stars on your wine picking app, at least. Uh, no, they're not by value. I don't no, think sure. they were there. No. <laughs> no, not for value. No. Maybe um, by the box. <laughs> a bag and box. Are they, are they, is Romani Conti going in a box wine? Bag and box Romani Conti. I think that's a new I thing. I tried to get the new vintage 2019, but they said no. Right? No, unfortunately, they, they literally they, they only made, they only made a hundred bag in boxes. Unfortunately, for the last vintage. So I'd love really to see the it. ratio of getting how much dick you'd have to suck to get Romani Conti, even be able to get be able to buy a bottle. Why don't you change your star rating instead of, you know, out of five how to be how many dicks you have to suck <laughs> to be able to, to, to get that wine or something? Because that would be really Yeah, but that's only for the experts uh, no, no, no. On, on any of these sites. No, no, no. <laughs> any sections to the app would be an on-premier section. How many dicks do you have to suck to get an on-premier allocation? It's a really interesting concept. I thought we could talk about sizes. Yeah, you better be Oh, God, so now we have to talk about sizes of dicks as well. I mean, that guess. But you well, know no, what? You take an average, we have a tech so guide right here. Too, you can work out probably the the ratios <laughs> and the statistics of size versus quality versus how how many. Can you imagine right? that Twitter post? Never thought we'd measuring dicks on Saturday to get through work. <laughs> anyway, so so the idea. So he started in Romani Conti. For anyone who doesn't know Romani Conti, uh, they're basically the number one uh, winery in Burgundy. Just uh, we we are taking the mick in the um, a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, one of the best wines in the world. Uh, don't think it'll ever go in bag and box. So he, he got his, his love for Pinot. Obviously, limestone soil is this, is the, you know, one of the things that makes Burgundy special. So he went on like this crazy, crazy hunt, finally found at the top of a mountain where no one goes to. Are we pouring the next wine? Yeah, we're, oh, we're, on time, next, we're on time, we're on time. We're on time, we're on time. So he found the top of this mountain, finally some limestone soil in California, because that's not a lot in Napa and Sonoma, that's for sure. Um, and basically, during the time, got divorced from his wife because of his like love for Pinot and this massive crazy. Um, it's <laughs> Pinot or me, Pinot. <laughs> <laughs> what? Easiest yeah. decision he ever made. Um, so, <laughs> 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 There's a lot of jokes I can come up with, with with for wives and wine, but unfortunately, as a woman, I'm not going to say them. So you know, and so your ex-wife would be angry. That's my fine. ex-wife would not be happy. That's for sure. And um, so yeah, so apparently, you know, it, and it's apparently really interesting this book because it also goes into how he made it in the winery, all the processes, all the problems, loads of droughts as soon as he bought the vineyard. So it's apparently, you know, like he went through a lot of stress to get these vineyards in Mount, Mount Harlem and hence why Claire is now known as one of the top Pinots um, in California. Shame no one brought it. Um, so yeah, I... It's only one bottle of this and so, yeah. Only, yeah, we should... Uh, if only we hit I was going to, it was on the shelf and I thought, now nah, we're going to California, you can't, can we? <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, um, yeah, I, I really need to read that book. I think it sounds rather, rather interesting. So, um, hashtag... The heartbreak grape. There you go. Whoever wrote the book is now. That could, be, that could maybe be the, uh, the title for the, the podcast. Heartbreak, heartbreak grape. Oh yeah, we're always trying to find a nice title, one little catchy, just to get that <laughs> extra that extra listener. You see, um, Jonathan, what are we drinking? 
Um, okay, so uh, to finish off with, we're going to finish off in the very far north. This is Anderson uh, Anderson Valley Pinot Noir from Drew. It's called um, it's Drew Vineyards. It's the Pinot Noir. It's the Fog Eater. The so, Fog Eater. The Fog Eater. Do you think they named that because the vineyards eat the fog from the Pacific Ocean? Wait. No, I'm sure it's much more convoluted. It, in it, a can't, way it can't possibly it's, be as simple He's as reading. That. Wait a second. <laughs> no, I'm just double checking myself. <laughs> he has everyone listening. He does have the tasting notes up. No, I don't. I just have their website. I'm make sure I don't get anything wrong. Um, no, I've actually I've actually met um, well Drew, um, who the owner of the Vineyards. Um, he came he down. He knows Drew. He doesn't need the he doesn't need the internet tasting notes. Yeah, well, our best buds. We met the whole one time. Um, closest I've ever had to a friend. <laughs> <laughs> World's smallest violin. Continue. Um, but yeah, no, again, following on the name, it is um, in the Anderson Valley. It's one of those cooler, cooler climates. What you're going to find in the Mendocino. The Mendocino is probably more well reputable for um, Zinfandel. But actually, when you go along sort of the edge of it, where it's touching onto Sonoma, Sonoma itself also really famous for um, Pinot Noir as well as it is for Chardonnay. Um, the Anderson Valley is also going right up to the ridge. They do also have some vineyards in Montesino Ridge as well, mm. which again is just on the, the cusp of what, what is the big mountain range that separates it from Sonoma. Uh, so much more in the northern part, higher altitude does do it, covering quite a lot of fog as well. And it's just a really, really cool climate style. He is a Burgundian lover. This um, is it's a terroir so style. perfect. Oh yeah. This has got now, obviously your red fruits, as we pointed out at the beginning, Pinot Noir, red fruits. I think it's much but, more the classic cherry and more underripe as well. But this has got even like some blueberries, some violets, some flowers in the... It's, but again... The concentration. You say he's he's really into kind of the Burgundian style, but no, 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 no. He's not trying to copy it, but it's in the sense of showing terroir. So he tries to mm. show in each of his different vineyards. He has quite a few different ones all over the place. Um, it's all about showing terroir. So each one is very individual and different. See this. This is probably is most delicate. Mo- However, in terms of body, this is I think what you, I think this is more full-bodied, the most full-bodied of the lot. I think the acidity is more intense. I mean, it's much higher acidity than the others. Um, yeah, this, yeah. Is seen, this is seen less oak. It's a bit minty, huh? Yeah, oak, a little bit yeah. of that eucalyptic note in the end. Medicinal yeah. as well. I mean, this is seen less oak for sure than the crossbar. I think it'd be interesting to, to compare. He only uses pretty much um, neutral oak, so he does use a lot of oak, but it's in the sense of not very good oak. This flavors. is hilarious. I'm reading the back of the bottle. Traditional methods and, wait, hashtag, it doesn't say the hashtag, sustainable farming yeah. uh, part. Uh, well, I was going to talk about that, Will but you interrupted. Oh, I'm so sorry, but I do like sorry, to interrupt. Sorry, it's not my wine anymore. I, oh, did I take it away? Oh, yeah, you taken it away. It's Drew's wine. you taken the bottle. It's not, I have taken you the bottle. The yeah. And it, uh, the sustainable farming practices are employed to craft wines with elegance, and transparency, that's what it says. And actually, yeah, I'll agree. Very good. And percentage of alcohol? 13.6. Oh, well, there you go. That is um, nice So, yeah, again, delicate. you tend to find the alcohol levels in wines in this area are a bit lighter, more delicate. It also depends on picking time. They do tend to pick a bit earlier. Again, locks in that freshness, which I think you can definitely say with three wines, it is the most fresh. It's probably got the most acidity. Um, 2014 was also a really, really good year in the area as well. It's probably a bumpy year for Pinot Noir and for the concentration. What vintage is yours, Julian? The uh, Cambria? 13. 13. So yours was a 2013, a little bit older, and both the Cross Barn and the Drew are 2014. Yeah. Um, if anyone is interested. Interesting. Well, so what does it retail for? This, uh, you can get from Twisted Seller for £47. So it's a bit more premium. Yes. This and do you know what that makes sense? And actually, interestingly enough, we've gone from the you said you know around fifteen, sixteen pounds, I think, to mine being thirty-five, to Jonathan's being forty-seven. So it really we've we've kind of gone up, and it 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 shows actually. So the Cambria is really fruity, really delicious, lovely flavours, but very soft and easy. Um, the cross bar was kind of nice and spicy, a bit more exotic. A little bit more earthy, and certainly the most oak. And then this is for me. I know no one seems to be agreeing, but I do think this has got the the biggest mouthfeel. I think this is the most full-bodied, slightly more, more luscious. I think, I think it's got far more persistent. Consistency. So like, like it goes on forever. A bit like you, it's yeah. quite persistent. Like it's like are. a bad smell we can't get rid of. Um, <laughs> Except this doesn't smell bad anymore. No, this this smells fantastic. I only have a hand. You've had your weekly shower, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So it's, it's Monday. You must have had it. I scrubbed down the beach, yeah. I scrubbed down the beach. Good. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and moving on. Unfiltered, the sept- self-deprecating podcast is what we <laughs> aimed to. <laughs> to be fair, we haven't uh, really talked about your, your, your body stench, have we, in any episodes? 
No, but thanks. Now I know you can call your bloody stench. <laughs> I didn't say to what degree. I'm matching. I'm matching. Savage it's by Dior. Savage. Oh, hashtag Savage by Dior. Jonathan's always looking for a sponsorship. Uh, None of them have happened yet. None of them. It's always like they're not listening. Do you want to go? Please don't promote our products. Apparently, you smell like shit. Yeah. But what do you think of this one? I think it's very good. I think it's quite feminine. Yeah, it is y- y- definitely the most feminine. Y- yes, yes, yet quite bodied. I think it's good. I don't know. It's, it's, it's the, uh, for me, that her- it's, just, it's that herbal note, it's that perfume note. Uh, in fact, ironically, this to me is the most Oregon of all of them. But is that because is we Oregon are quite, a good thing? Well, is that because no, we I'm, just, quite... I, I'm just. I, I, do you know what? I think it's nice for people to. You want to at least have an idea of wines. The, 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 the nice thing about wine is there are rules and then everyone breaks the rules, so then it makes things confusing. But at the same time, we always want to have an idea. What is Oregon compared to California? But do you, you, know, do you not think you're saying because Oregon, you can correlate, is Oregon gets compared to Burgundy so much? Yeah, probably. And I think that's probably why you're well, saying, it, again, this is that get, realm. No, but Oregon so. doesn't get as much sunshine. Therefore, in general, if you compare, from every time I've ever compared Oregon Pinots to Californian, Oregon will be a lighter colour in the glass. It will probably be a little bit more earthy, a little bit more spicy. They are more similar as a general rule, but then that's, we've already said, California is now so open to so many differences that you get to have fun. The point is, go go and try California Pinot Noir because you're going to get a different one every time. You know, do a little bit of research and they're fantastic, right? Um, but I just think that it's still, if you compare as a general rule, and you have to have general rules, otherwise someone who doesn't know about wine doesn't even know where to start. Oregon is going to be lighter, not as full-bodied, maybe a little bit more savoury and a bit more earthy. California is going to be bigger and more fruit-driven and riper. That That is the... A, a rule that Again, we, yeah, if you're, that we, you're in class now talking about wine, that's how you would describe them exactly. You I have agree. to, but, but this is so exciting already. So All three on. of these have been really different. I, I think one of the things we need to we need to realize as well is that Californian wine is not cheap wine, right? Um, it's I mean, it's actually it's not not now. The prices have escalated. I mean, Pinot Noir is just, I mean, Pinot Noir is up the price. Cali- California is expensive. Whenever you say, you say California is too expensive, they compare it to Burgundy. Like There's Burger, no, Burger. at the end of the day, I, you know, I, at the it's end of the day, it's not cheap I would only start with Burgundy, I would start with the £47 that we, you know, you spent on Drew. I would start there for Burgundy to get something that is semi decent. So the same quality of Cambria, we're paying maybe £15. You would, uh, for me, I, I would think, probably I start around £40 to get that same quality. Again, you're comparing stars. I think that the two the two cheaper ones we've shown here are really good value compared, especially yeah. if you took away California from the name, I think for Pinot Noir they're both very good. Um, once you put California on them again, again, a little bit more value because you do have a little bit of premium put in California on there. I think the Drew is pricey. It's not a cheap wine, and I'm someone who sells it. But I think someone who really hashtag loves... Hashtag Twisted Sellers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Twisted Sellers. Well, you could um, do both. No. Oh, okay. I can't follow two things too much. Um, but I think the difference is, again, if you get to that top level of Pinot, anyone who loves Pinot, you'll spend that much more to get that little bit more. And um, the Drew is that like, sort of step up. And again, if you're going to compare it to Burgundy, I think you'd have to go £10, £20 more to get the same quality. At, l- at least. I still don't... I think, yeah, I think at least 20 Yeah, I've and really I think, I think that's always the big thing, which is that... Pinot has become that world. It's not about whether it's good value for that price of wine. Is it that good value compared well, to Burgundy? As I was That's the constant, constant battle. Entry is never, is never very low. You know, you're not going to get a, a good Pinot for fifteen pounds. So it's very difficult to reach. Mm. reach to, well, you to can a twisted cellar. Interesting. Because it's a the funny thing. I, I think you know from California as well. Great Bridge. <laughs> it's interesting. You know, Pinot. We talked about. I mentioned to you before we started that in the, in the news at the moment they're talking about Argentina. Uh, their their Malbecs, are, they're trying to make. There's a few articles being written recently about their Malbecs. They're aiming to try and make them in a more Pinot Noir style, and they've been doing. Um, your good friend Jancis Robinson, uh, I'm making that up. It's not his good friend at all. Um, has even wrote an article saying that they've done some taste. They did blind tastings of Malbecs with Pinots to actually see the difference. I would I would actually agree. That I think I've said it for a few years that Malbecs have definitely become much softer. They have they're softened them. It, they want to make this, well, this, this high altitude Malbec. The idea they're trying to make them. I, I'm, I'm a bit against. It. I think it's, I think it's one of those things where it becomes that kind of brownish though. Where you, you what made Mal- Malbecs so popular is that they were these big, rich, complex, but also approachable wines and. I think now that there is a big, not everyone's doing it in Argentina, but there's a big push in Mendoza in general to go softer. And maybe now this also approach, kind of them trying to jump onto the Grenache bandwagon, where Grenache is, there's a lot of Grenache out there that has all Grenache. 
uh, that has gone much softer, much more Pinot Noir-esque. But it's but great that you can do it. But is that going to confuse people? You know, when you're used to your big, juicy, fruity Malbecs, and then all of a sudden you start well, getting... Well, I think, I, think, I think it's a bad idea fresh. for that reason. I don't think the Malbec needs to reinvent itself because it's already doing extremely well. And I think the idea of them trying to... Already going softer already, becoming more generic, now trying to go even lighter, you're going to become... It's like, oh, we'll be the... By the time they do all this... Pinot Noir will probably fall out of fashion again because this is how things always go around in wine and people go back to big and rich again and Bordeaux will be laughing because that's where and Melbourne one day, work. one day Riesling will be in fashion it's coming back it's coming back slowly 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 Riesling will always be a cold wine I don't think it'll ever be a dominant again you never know I think it's similar like when they say oh I'm looking for it so you for life for body what do you think say I want something between Pinot Noir and Malbec I'm like okay anything else Everything. Any, anything else? Well, you literally saying I want all the choices. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. So, guys, uh, we're probably getting towards the end. Um, in summary, for anyone listening, Julian uh, is at Sexy Fish all day long. So, if you want to see the Except largest Mondays. coral, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, coral tank in in the world, and have him give you guidance between Pinot Noir and Malbec. In between, <laughs> just you, in between. If you didn't like Julian, uh, then swipe of course left. there is the... Swipe left, you guys are available. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, just walk in six fish, you would have walked up to the table and go, no, left. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, you know, swipe left into the wine picker app and you don't need to deal with him. So that's <laughs> wonderful. There is now two choices for every wine uh, <laughs> wine experience in these kind of restaurants. So it's been a pleasure. Thank you very it's much, It's been lovely having you guys here, and I hope the wine app is very successful. Not too successful, it puts uh, Jonathan out of a job. But, uh... <laughs> it's, I, I sell on my personality, that's what people keep coming back Sell on your personality? Yeah, apparently so. That's something we should discuss on another episode. <laughs> from and home, his personality from home, I said wine in the restaurant. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Cheers. Thank you Cheers. so Thank much. Thank you very much for the invite. Uh, you are so welcome. We are very pleased to be there. Bonjour. And we shall continue drinking. Uh, and we'll see you again uh, in two weeks' time. See you later. Bye. Bye. Hot, hot, hot now. Stop.